Good morning, Twin Ports. You're listening to Sound Off on 710 at FM 98.1 WDSM. You want a vent? Call Brad now at 722-7500 or 800-388-2428. And remember, you can always listen to Sound Off on your time by downloading Brad's podcast at WDSM710.com. Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Are we ready? <laughs> we are. I'll tell you, that's the shortest intro I've ever seen in my life. But that's just the way it happens around here. Hey, this is that segment that we do once a month. The last Wednesday of the month, we bring in Pete Wood and Scott Dane. And Scott is here today, uh, although he's kind of staying in the background because there's lots of guys with guns closer. <laughs> yes. And he never likes to get around too many guys with guns. Yeah, Scott got off a of suntanning duty here the other day, so he's did in he, for a little bit. Did you pull him in yeah, out of yeah, the suntan a little bit, but, oh, yeah. good. But, he uh, does look a little suntan. A little bit darker, you know. I'm a little more darker yet, though. Yeah, well, you <laughs> work out in the woods. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. But, hey, so, folks, Scott, thanks. Uh, you, uh, or, Scott, Pete, you have, um, geez, we don't dust in here, do we? <laughs> anyway, you have uh, Darren Juntman with you again. He's yes. been with you before, but you got a, you got somebody new with, too. Yeah, Greg Lind, who's been in the law enforcement since 1984. He's the one that does the checking of the trucks and that, and he has a lot of history of how... What, what we're facing, folks, right now in the timber industry is the hauling our logs. And uh, we had the law changed, I think it was 2004, to go to six axles with a forestry permit. We could go up to 90... Four, five, I do believe, and the law wasn't quite quite written. I think at the time I remember going on wasn't quite say, right. Pete, when you say ninety four five, ninety four hundred. No, no, what? with six axles, we can haul. Well, Greg will be able to explain it really good detail how the history of how it came about from seventy three thousand, but ninety four thousand five hundred pounds with six axles. Okay. If we make it to a mill, it's a little bit more, and then in the wintertime we get even more yet. Well, that's being changed. Well, it wasn't. I don't think it was quitely written right, and Greg can explain it better than me. But now we're, we're log truck drivers have to haul about roughly five thousand pounds less right now because in case you get pulled over, you're only ninety thousand. Well, oh, okay. well, for if you're hauling wood 100, 150 miles one way, every you want to count every stick you can. We get paid by volume on that truck, right? Right. And if you're light all the time, if you haul two or three trips a day and you're 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 scared of getting pulled over for overweight, and you're holding back five thousand pounds, you figure two trips a day that's ten thousand pounds this trucker's going to lose yeah. and well if you figure over the course of the week that's over a load well that adds up after time after time we're going to have to legislate try and change this or something but it's it's a situation that's happening that most people don't realize that's happening with us log truck driver hauling the wood that's happening and we're going to try and rectify it but greg is here he can explain some of the history from when it used to be only 73 and come up to date to where it is today you mind taking a let me uh, let me first of all just say that uh, i had the privilege of riding with pete in the parade out in west duluth and it did me 
a lot of good because I had not been in a logging truck since I was a kid, and the logging trucks then were a whole lot different than they are now. A little bit nicer today. I mean, this thing you got is like a space machine of some uh, kind. You had more buttons and levers. How many forward gears you okay, got in that Okay, that was a 2016 International, 550 horse Cummings under the hood. Okay. Okay, 18 speeds. <laughs> you have locking rear ends. It's, a, it's made for the woods is how it's set up. So you can actually lock in all the wheels, and they'll positively pull. Okay. And now, do enough. some of your wheels stay up when you're not carrying a heavy load and others uh, come down? When we're how? coming back empty, we have on our trailers, the first, on the trailer, the first and third axle lift and the middle axle will ride down okay. because there's no point in dragging all, all the axles the back tires, yeah. when you're empty okay. and you're coming back. And then the pivot point is really easy. It's kind of like you're turning less rubber means less wear. Sure. But when you're pulling a load, all of them are down, all equal. It's air ride. The whole thing is air ride. Your cab is air ride. I mean, when you're riding these new trucks today, it is... Like actually, it's like riding in a new pickup. They're that oh, nice. Yeah. You know yeah. how you saw it in the cab, Brad? Yeah. Was like a oh. stereo CD. I air mean, conditioning yeah. stereo. Turn uh, up the he air. Had a, he had a, somebody give him a massage during the <laughs> ride. <It> was, <laughs> the seat will multi-move. You can you, you lumbar everything. It's really something how nice they are. And then we also have the very old trucks that I've been driving lately because I like the old ones too. Sure. Which is no air conditioning, rough seat, uh, but it's it's cool. I like it. So we have a wide range, but. Uh, uh, the, the the equipment today is so much nicer. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, with Greg here and and talk about some of the rules and regulations that have take place. I'd like to give him the mic because he has a lot of very good information. Pete, before we, before we start with Greg and, and Darren both, I think it's worth saying again that a lot of people, if they see a logger uh, pulled over by uh, one of our authorities, mm-hmm. they think somehow that these guys are out to get you all the time. But that's not it. Their job is to make sure that our highways are safe. Yep. And they're a lot of times uh, just checking to make sure that everything is okay with you, that all your equipment is working right. And, uh, yes. you know, so. You, 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 yeah, sometimes you don't want to be pulled over. But if you get in an accident, they're going to come and check you over. And you better have it right because Absolutely. then you're liable. That's when Mr. Lynn comes and says, uh-huh, we got to talk, Mr. Wood. <laughs> Anyway, Greg has a lot of great information. Let's let's get you on to start off with here. So uh, trucks, obviously, different trucks have different weight restrictions, uh, how much you can uh, bring out of the woods. Is is the same, I maybe should ask Pete this before we got started, but is is the same truck that's bringing the wood out of the woods the same one that's hauling it on the road? Yes, normally that's what happens. Okay. All right, so let's start from there. So uh, what kinds of things, if you're, if you're out on the road and you see a logging truck go by, what's the first thing you're looking for? I'm always looking to see how they're loaded, okay. make sure the chains are right on them, load yep. securement. Okay. Um, make sure the lights are there working. Sometimes they don't. Make sure they don't have tires flapping on them. Okay. Um, just look at the general size of the load. Are, are lights uh, uh, during the day supposed to be on a logging truck, the, the driving lights? No. Or they're is required, it optional? They're required to be working at all times. The okay. required lighting is required to work. Okay. But they don't have to be on unless they it's, don't have unless to have it's inclement weather. Okay. All right. So let's go from there then. So you, you notice... 
if you notice something wrong, if you notice a chain dragging, let's say one of their tie-down chains has come loose on an end and it's flapping in the breeze, is that uh, a, a, a point then that you'd want to stop and maybe not ticket them for that offense, but ask them, hey, do you know you got one of your logging chains or yeah, how do you handle it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll stop them and... and talk to them and tell them, hey, do you know your chain was dragging off, your your load skimmer's loose? Um, at that time, it, it becomes an out-of-service item. Basically, all they have to do is rehook the chain. They can be cited for it, absolutely. Okay. All right. um, but they will be placed out of service until they get the chain fixed. Right. Okay. And, and that, again, is a safety thing. Absolutely. I mean, one of those chains could flap loose and take somebody's windshield out or even worse. Yeah, or the logs come off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Have we ever, have we had that happen? In, oh, yes. Many, really? many times, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pete's I, over there saying, no, not me, not I, me. I'll show you a video after. I got a video. Okay. What are you trying so. to do to me here, Brad? <laughs> Well, I just want to make sure you're up and honest there, Pete. <laughs> Accidents do happen, yes. Yes, yes they, they do. do. And, and during times, you know, that normally happens when the, when the wood is slippery. Yeah. You know, wintertime, uh, maybe you got some snow on it, some ice on it from freezing rain. You know, that time I always tell the truckers when I do my talks to them that they're required to actually put some more loads of camera on it. You know, just what they're normally required, they're actually required to put some more on it so that doesn't happen. Huh. You know, and I was telling them when you're loading it out in the woods or something like that, and um, you go to grab another uh, bunch of wood in your loader, and you turn around and the pile's on the ground off that fell off your truck, probably want to put some more loads of camera on that rather than just the two chains or, sure. you know, in, in some cases, done. So, so uh, now your truck, I noticed, had poles up on the side to hold the logs in place, mm-hmm. and then you use chains on top of that, right, Pete? Yeah, there's there's different type of trailers. We have both styles. We have the crib trailer where you don't, as long as you pile it properly and you have all the right cribbing. Those are the ones that look like big box cars in a way with all the stakes in that. Yes. Those are very, very well built, and they're very protective. You have to still pile it nice on there. But then you don't have to have the chains as long as it's piled properly. But it, when it's right on there, it, for it to come out, you'd have to put the truck on its side, really. It's okay. the older style where we have our, what we still have is our old rails. We call them old rails, but basically when you pile them on two rails and they're uh, crossways, and there you've got you to have it piled nicely. And then you got to have it secured, and you got to center stakes, and you got to have the loops still going down that secure Because I think you're only allowed so many feet. It's like 30 feet or something like that, but we go halfway where it comes back down hooks again. So there's quite a bit of securement in Holland Wood. Are there, uh, Greg, are there restrictions on how far your logs can hang out over the end of a truck? I I mean, I know you cut them a certain length for the mills, but... If you're hauling pole-length wood in Minnesota, um, no, there is no length. The only thing they cannot do is block the lights back there. There's a a, a part of the law that says pole-length logs can be as long as they want, as long as they're not blocking. So they have to have a flag on them or something so that people can indicate that they're out there. Three flags in Minnesota right now, it's a federal requirement, or three lights um, on the rear during inclement weather. Okay. Or, or night. Okay. Uh, you don't haul, po- or do you haul po- pole-length uh, logs? Tree-length, no. That's more of a up in International Falls thing. Okay. It, it was started actually up the North Shore going to, I forgot the name of it, but up to Thunder Bay years ago. I'm going to think in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. But it's it, then it became over to Ainsworth, well, it was Ainsworth, the old Cook plant. 
Then they start hauling tree length into there back in the 80s. Uh, but now it's pretty much just a thing that's happened up in the, the International Falls area where they haul tree length. And you get some beautiful tall wood up in that area where the, yeah. those things are sticking out 30 feet or so. Where you can Absolutely. see they're just, yep. when they're when the trees at the end of the load are actually bobbing up and down. Yeah, I've seen They'll that. scrape yeah. the ground and they get to the mill and you'll see like a skid plate where that thing is worn. The wood is actually worn down. You know, they'll get that beautiful wood like that. But yeah, you'll, they'll have to have the flag, I do believe. And Three lights th- um, during inclement weather or when lights are required or three flags at any time else. Okay. Now, most of the mills around here, you cut logs to what length? Most of it here is eight foot. Eight foot. You do okay. have a sawmill up in Grand Marie that takes 16 footers, but most of the mills right around here, Duluth, Cloquet, and the uh, sawmills, it's pretty much eight foot, okay. 100 inches. Okay. Also, the wood that goes over to Wisconsin, you know. That's now, you'd mentioned, Greg, that you, uh, when you speak to loggers, is, is that something the state does? Do you have training sessions where you will go out and advise yeah, loggers absolutely. on what kind of things to be careful of, of safety issues and things? Yep, absolutely. I will go out to the companies and do talks for them um, in Minnesota. I, I work basically in northern two-thirds of Minnesota. Okay. Or northern third, I should say, um, is my area. I will go out and do talks for them. Um, they can get a hold of me through the through the Saginaw scale. Most of them out there probably know me already. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, through LogSafe or whatever, but uh, yeah, I've done a few for a couple companies, and, and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, Brad, you know, in the thing that Greg mentioned, they can get a hold of them. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of loggers and truckers actually have greg's phone number in their cell phone i have it in my cell phone so that's how accessible he is to helping us understand things okay when you were talking about the scales uh you know we've seen the new scales up in saginaw and some of the other areas what uh, do all trucks have to stop uh at scales or is there a restriction limit or what what is the by the way if you uh if you're listening and you have a question of any of our experts or a question on logging or a question on trucking in general uh don't be afraid to give us a call at 722-7500 kenny will uh put you on with the question or he'll take your question and air it with one of our specialists uh but in the meantime we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with our let the sawdust fly segment uh, here on sound off in the morning 710 wdsl you're sounding off with brad bennett coming up at 11 keep yourself one step ahead with rush limbaugh 710 wdsm i can't wait till it's quitting time she got something cooking for me tonight she keeps the home fires burning matt boo from uh, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, how are you? Good morning, Brad. Great. Good morning. Say, uh, you're on the segment that you love to be on, Let the Sawdust Fly. Uh, there's a natural correlation, natural tie-in, isn't there? Because a lot of your stoves burn wood. Yeah. No, we're uh, we're big on wood burning. And I've just I've been driving from a house and I here in the segment, and it's nice to see that the state seems to be helping, you know, the loggers and their safety stuff and not just out there for a get yeah. Well, exactly. And that's why yeah. I brought that up at the beginning of the show. I think a lot of people, when they see a logging truck pulled over, they figure, oh, there's a confrontational issue between uh, the authorities and transportation. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times it's trying to make sure that we all are safe on the road as well as uh, the logging industry safe. So. 
yeah, no, we're all in it together. So that's good. Good to hear. So, so Matt, this morning I was uh, telling Kenny as I went out to let my dog out to do his normal morning routine. <laughs> I went out there in my shirtless T-shirt and my uh, pajama bottoms, and I quickly went back to the house. It's starting to turn. Are you seeing that in the weather? Uh, is the weather affecting your uh, calls that are coming in to, uh, for people that are looking to maybe get a stove or a fireplace in place? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had a busy summer, and that's good that people are, are moving, doing stuff. But the minute we get a little cool in the air, you know, the service calls start to increase. And then the, uh, the guys have been sitting fishing and, <laughs> and enjoying the summer all of a sudden say, hey, I got to get this thing up going. So. Uh, you know, I, I meant that. to ask you that, uh, you know, because I when I had a uh, gas insert fireplace, when I had a gas burning fireplace, when the summer would come, I would shut the pilot light off. Do you recommend that or do the stove manufacturers recommend that? And then, of course, what happens in the fall when you turn that back on, you've got to make sure it's functioning, right? That's Yeah, absolutely. And uh we were just actually in a class with one of the manufacturers, and I've always known this, but we recommend if, if you got a pilot system, is to leave it on your own. That's what I thought. You know, and it keeps things dry. It keeps the energy in there. It, it keeps your draft going the way it should be going. And so it, and the amount of gas usage is so minimal compared to a service call that would result if you're, you know, if you, Right. You turn your pilot off, all of a sudden things stop moving and working. Exactly. So, yeah. And so, the, you know, the Department of Energy has been pushing the industry for a long time to go to all electronic ignition. Okay. And so a lot of the manufacturers have electronic ignition, but they have what they call a seasonal uh, setting where you can electronically turn your pilot light on so you can still have a standing pilot light. Well, Matt, for those that have been uh, sitting, uh, th- that as we like to call them, the uh, the procrastination club, if they've been thinking about getting a, a wood burning stove, a corn pellet stove, a fireplace of some kind, and they've put off till now, we're into now cl- very close to September. Uh, how long is the process by the time they walk into your showroom, uh, walk down the aisles? I know you guys have two two uh, aisles where you've got thirty or forty examples of units burning. And they look at the different features and benefits, and they pick the stove they want. How long does it take from once they pick that stove for you to order it, get it in, and then have somebody go out, look at the home, do the installation? Are we talking maybe a month or so down the line? You know, we're still at about three weeks. Three weeks, um, okay. And that's because the, the product that's selling right now is we're going in, we're installing it. Uh, we're not doing as much you know, this time of year, we don't do as much tear-outs and rebuilds and restones. So those take three days, usually. Okay. Um, but now, you know, the work that's coming up now is usually a one-day process. So we're at about three weeks. We just hired a new installer uh, to take some of that pressure off. And we also hired a new service tech. So Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Just to keep up with it, right? Now, um, do you recommend that when somebody starts their system up again in the fall, turns the uh, thermostat up for the first time, that they have... Uh, you or one of your technicians come out and just uh, do an inspection of it, make sure it's functioning properly? Sure. If the, you know, if some customers will do routine maintenance on their own, and that's pretty good, and then they'll call us every three years and do a complete once-over. Right. Uh, but if you're not comfortable with that, and then 
it's always a good idea to get in there and get some things cleaned out and double check, especially you know if you weren't running your pilot light, just make sure everything is uh, bug free and, and clean and ready Excellent. to go. All right, so uh, so Matt, let's tell our listeners how to get a hold of Duluth Stove and Fireplace. You're on the corner of 27th Avenue West and Michigan Street, uh, right next to the Duluth Grill, Kitty Corner from Quick Trip. There, uh, what hours of operation are you and your people there to help out? Uh, we are open uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 6, Saturday, 9 to 4. Uh, we're going to be closed this weekend. We're going to okay. give all, everybody a little rest before little Labor Day uh, break. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we can be called at 727-9002 and DuluthStove.com. 727-9002? That's correct. All righty. Matt Boo, thank you very much. We appreciate you as a sponsor, and uh, thank you. Uh, I would suggest to people, don't procrastinate any longer. If you'd like to have a heating unit, a fireplace this year, get out and see Matt Boo or the fine folks out at Duluth Stove and Fireplace right now. So, uh, Peter, we left it that we were just talking about some of the regulations with Greg. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what kind of things do you want to talk about that you um, need people to know about? One thing is sometimes how the, the the big thing is right now is the weight situation uh, with hauling with the permit, the forestry permit, and that's why I was hoping, Greg, if you could say what can we legally haul right now as, as loggers on the roads. If we get pulled over, what we can legally haul and what can we legally enter a mill with and still not get fined. So right now a, a five-axle truck can legally haul 80,000 pounds if they have the length to do it. Okay. Um, the six-axle trucks with the forest permit, with the raw forest product permit, can haul 90,000 pounds. Greg, um, when you say five-axle truck, what are you talking about w- wheels for us people? The n- that'd be their 18-wheeler. 18-wheeler, yeah. okay. So an 18-wheeler can haul 80,000 pounds? 80,000, yep. Okay, and then... If and then with six axles, it'd be... Which twenty two wheels? Done. Is that what you got? Yes. Okay. Twenty two wheels. So done. you can haul up to ninety thousand. Yes, with a permit. With a permit. Yep. Okay. With a permit. Yep. It was ninety four five. Well, that? it was never really ninety four five. See, and this is where we get in these sticky situations <laughs> that you don't want to talk about. We're have a fight Hopefully, going nobody here. listens out there. <laughs> yeah, it was never really ninety four five. It was a there was a there was a tolerance that was there, but what happened? It was. The permit was good for 90,000 pounds, period. Um, And then there was a tolerance that was given, but in all, what was happening is people were starting to shoot for the 5%. Sure. And people started taking looks at it, and they're going like, eh. Yeah. They started reading the law a little bit differently and and interpreting it a little bit different. And 90,000 pounds right now. In the summer, and six axle forest permit. When Greg says you need a permit for the ninety thousand, what does right. that involve? What, what, Pete? You as a logger, what do you have to do? To we get have that to permit? pay for a forestry permit. I forgot the amount. I think it's three or four hundred dollars. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I don't do the books. My wife does okay. the books. Okay, so and I don't is, remember is the numbers exactly. Is that applied for over the internet? Do you have to go to an office in person, or how does that? You have to give your firstborn to get it first of all. <laughs> then you have to go. No, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> and my kids at home are going to beat me up now. Yeah. 
No, basically you have to, we do it over the internet. You know, I don't even know if we talk to anybody when we do it. I don't know, Greg, do we? You do not anymore. It's it's all done on the internet and then somebody approves it for you and you get a permit. Yeah. Okay. And actually we get it, I think, a lot of times right there that day and Absolutely. it comes right across the internet and we have it right in our trucks. And you can print it off your printer right away yes. and you got it done. Okay, yeah. that's a convenient yeah. system. Yeah. Now, how long is that good for? The One season? year. One year. One year. Yep. One yeah. year. Okay. So if you forget and you get pulled over and Mr. Lynn tells you where's your fortune, you forget, you better get it that day or he's going to come and look at That's you again. That's probably not an excuse, much like uh It's work, else. but it's not a good yeah. one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's like driving at night with your lights off. Oh, I forgot. That's not going to be Pretty acceptable. much, yeah, you're getting a yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, we got to quick take another break here. We'll be right back uh, with Let the Sawdust Fly. Uh, we're talking with uh, Greg Lynn, Darren Juntman from the state uh, enforcement agencies, and, uh, of course, our, our friend. And, uh, Peter Wood and Scott Dane from the Truckers and Loggers Association. We'll be right back. Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth, 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. Giant Redwood, Larch, the fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack I'll sing together, I'm okay. Pete. I don't know if I can sing. Day. I could try it sometime, but I don't want to embarrass my family at home. I cut down trees. I eat my lunch. That's hilarious, isn't it? Just I go so to the, the lavatory. <laughs> Where do you go to the lavatory when you're Anywhere out in the woods? you want Anywhere out in the woods. <laughs> Nobody cares there, folks. Nobody. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, but anyway. well, we, are, we are back uh, with Let the Sawdust Fly segment. Again, this uh, occurs once a month, every last Wednesday of the month at the 9 o'clock hour. We invite Pete in. And, uh, Pete, I don't want to give you too big a head, but we get a lot of calls wanting to know when your segment is going to be on. So well, I think this has kind of gotten to be a regular deal. Well, I, all I can say is I just want to thank all the folks out there who are willing to listen and Kenny and Brad willing to let me come on and the guests come on as a regular time because without this, we would have never had this opportunity. So folks out there listening, I'm glad you're willing to listen and take this time. Well, I was amazed because when you called me the first time, I mean, we'd met a number of years ago when you asked yes. me to speak at a convention you had up on the range. And when you talked to me the first time about doing it, I thought, well, okay, we'll try it once or twice and see what <laughs> But it was it, it has ended up to be one of the more interesting. Was it two years ago? No, two years you've been doing this. Oh, two years you've been doing yes, this now. Yes, two years now. Man, how time flies. <laughs> yes. I would, I, I would have thought it was a little over a year. But I never thought it would be like this. No, I honestly didn't. I thought it would be a no, two, three shot. And no, we're not going to pay you, so don't, <laughs> don't bring that up again, okay? <laughs> okay. Not this week. Next week, maybe when I'm not yeah. here. <laughs> But anyway, folks, with uh, one quick thing, Greg, Greg Lind, if, if you're looking for somebody to come and give you a talk on what's legal and not legal, he's willing to come and meet with you, come with your trucking outfit. And his phone number, I'll give it to you here, is 218-248-9903, and that's his personal cell. Give it one more time. 218-248-9903. Nine so if you're looking for a little bit of help and preventive Problems on the road, he's more willing to come and help you out. 
But being as loggers, we're also involved in the political side of things, and we do go to events. We do keep in touch with politicians because you have to, like this weight situation. We want to get this changed very, very much so. And to get things done, you have to have connections. And one of the connections is with Lieutenant Juttonen. And what it takes, he, he gave us the stories of what he was in charge of, actually in the president's motorcade, which is really fascinating to hear, what it takes to bring a president to Duluth or from the cities to Iowa. And Darren, it'd be great to hear that story again, because it really is something what really takes place from the from the airport to the arena and back to the airport and what really goes on. Now, um, Darren, you actually took a, a president or a, a motorcade from Minneapolis to Iowa? We did. It, uh, oh, my God. Out and, you know, most people don't know is, you know, we have limited information when that's coming in. We might have three days notice. Sure. And in that trip alone, it was a, you know, a bus trip all the way down from Minneapolis to Iowa, um, which consumed about 500 people of ours that we had to have for every street intersection along the way. People leapfrogging to try to stay. Every intersection? Because anybody could try, if they knew that the president's motorcade was going, they could try to drive into the motorcade. They could do anything. Right. So, you know, you've got your setbacks. And there's a lot of things when we work with C- Secret Service and the White House staff that we have to do. So, you know, we lined up all our people. We went all the way through. There's, you know, off-the-route stops that once in a while, and, you know, you have to try and adjust for that. And the, you know, funny part is, is then we get down to Iowa, and there's three troopers standing there. And they're like, well, where's everybody else? And they're like, well, um, this is all we have. And, you know, we just had 500 people out here. So there's a big change, and it's not a knock on them. That's the resources they had, but every state's different. Um, I think they like coming to Minnesota, like we've done several here in Duluth um, as well, and there's a lot of planning um, routes. And I know the people motoring public gets a little frustrated because they're held up or whatever else, and sure. they wonder, well, he already went by. Why can't we go? Yeah. Well, something can stop at the other end, and we can't let you come into the back until we've already turned off that route. So right. it is frustrating, but it doesn't happen that often. Often, but this fall, Duluth is probably going to see quite a bit. Yeah, I would think uh, I have heard rumors that uh, we're liable to have some more visits up in this area before the election in November. And uh, and that will uh, contain a lot of your troopers and a lot of people involved in planning and negotiating. There will be more people coming back. I know there will be more people coming back. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's, like I said, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, for those three, four days that you're here, um, Secret Service will rely on us as leading that motorcade and uh, planning the routes and, yeah. you know, along with the you know Duluth PD. And Because a lot of people think the Secret Service are the people that do all of this organization, but they're there to protect the president or whoever the person is on the ground at the event. They're not there to shut down traffic. They're not there to block off access uh, from other areas. Yeah, that's correct. You know, we'll uh, plan the route and then they'll, you know, kind of come to me when I was doing it and look at the route, the different options. You know, we might have a couple different routes planned and it might change, you know, in a, relatively uh, quick. Darren, in a caravan like that, who is the person in charge for security? Is there a Secret Service agent, a senior Secret Service agent that has overall authority over for everybody or who who has the real where the rubber meets the road authority well Well, let me give you an example uh i was at the trump rally down at the deck and i was told that when he got down to one intersection going into the deck parking area he saw all these people on an overpass with signs and he wanted to stop there and somebody told him in his car uh, mr president none of these people have been cleared and we're not stopping 
Correct. Yeah, and it's usually the Secret Service that's going to, you know, be in charge of a lot of that. And they'll rely on us on a lot of the local stuff. So they're going to be coming and give some oversight on what they want to see. And we'll come up with a game plan that they'll go with. But I've also been in situations where there's been a few people not agreeing on something. And then the White House staff has been involved. And it's just one quick phone call and things change, you know, immediately. So there's different ranks depending on what you're doing. But usually Secret Service will be the lead on it. All right, interesting stuff. So, uh, so uh, when when something like that happens, you get a very short notice, and then you've got to sit down and logistically lay out the the plan, wh- the travel route, how many intersections there are, what time of day, and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, staffing is usually the biggest hurdle that we have to get through, and who's going to be where, and um, you know all the setbacks that they want to have. So we're pulling from everybody that we can get to sure. you know to do it. But yeah, it is a short notice. You work some long days when they come. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Sometimes there are reimbursements from the government, sometimes not. I mean, it depends on what the function is. If it's an absolute political function, uh, I've been told anyway, there's one set of rules that apply. Or if they hold meetings and do things that might benefit an area, then there might be a whole other set of rules that come into play. Correct. And, you know, uh, I know that we've done several where, you know, that we haven't been reimbursed on. That's just part of the job and what you do. But, um, yeah, they do, you know, from time to time. Now, what what kinds of things can you suggest to the general public if you have another let, let's say we have another presidential visit and you know it's going to happen at a certain venue stay away from that venue uh, or travel you, plan differently right What's, you can kind of maybe guess what routes that they might take to use it you know we might because there's a lot of things and i can't really talk about what we would sure. look for but there's going to be some different routes and if you want to watch it plan some time some extra time to be there because they will be shut down for a while and traffic will back up um and you know always they're pretty punctual when they come in but sometimes things change a little bit and we might have somebody held a little longer than we thought we would but yeah just kind of plan for the extra time if you know there's one coming in that day um just from the other other people coming to watch it's gonna plug things up are, this is probably way beyond what we should even be talking about <laughs> but when something like this happens is there a I don't want to say a list, but is there a group of people that the that the uh, authorities kind of pay attention to that they might be a troublemaker? Yeah, they'll, they'll have that, you know, inside information on what could happen and what groups might show up. And, yeah. you know, they'll deal with that, you know, accordingly. I was surprised uh, at this event that there were some of these Antifa individuals. They classify themselves as Antifa and they were wearing masks and carrying sticks and clubs in broad daylight, which... I thought was against the law. But. Yeah, you know, I know it is in the Capitol because I've done some of the protests there, and at the Capitol they cannot wear a mask. Yeah. You know, you have to, you know, have that off. So, okay. But, yeah, I'm not too sure on some of the other ones here. All right. All right. Well, thank you. That was that was interesting stuff. So, uh, uh, Scott, uh, you're, you're looking tanned. You just got back from vacation? No. Or have you been riding your motorcycle? Well, I've been riding my motorcycle a little bit, Brad, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I want to share with you real quick, speaking of uh, uh, VIP visits and yeah. stuff, um, Vice President Pence was in Duluth three weeks ago today, and uh, the ACLT was contacted and invited to uh, bring a group of uh, timber industry representatives to that private reception, yeah. Yeah. which we did. And uh, it was kind of interesting. It was a small group of people there, and we had to go through the security and everything else. Um, but uh, we all had these hats, 
making logging great again uh, made up Whoa. ahead of time. And uh, we were all wearing those. We said, hey, let's make a statement, uh, if nothing else. And when Vice President Pence came out to address the uh, small reception group that was there, all these loggers were staying together, and he kind of looked over the group and uh, and focused on the logging group over there and pointed and said, I think I need one of those hats. <laughs> really? And, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You felt a little out of place. Yeah, so actually I had one with uh, scrambled eggs on the bill oh, and Vice nice. President Pence embroidered on the back, nice. and I held it up and said, you I've got thinking. one right here for you. You were thinking. Uh, next thing I know, a guy's tapped me on the shoulder and said, the Secret Service needs to look at that hat. And I said, well, here, that's fine. So I gave it to him. He got done with the— uh, Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got done with the uh, speech and everything else, and he was coming down shaking up his hands, and there was a rope line. Of course, you know, cordon off off the area. Lots of Secret Service on his side with him. And he came up to the logging group, and uh, one of our members, Clinton Cook, actually, out of uh, FE area up that way. Okay. Said, Mr. President, would you autograph my hat for me? Mr. Vice President, would you autograph my hat for me? And he said, I'll autograph all your hats. In fact, let's get a picture. And uh, he ushered us over the rope line. And, oh, uh, I sh- and uh, we all got <laughs> a picture. Time the Secret Service went crazy. Oh, they did. They did. I mean, they were sh- kind of shuffling guys around. They, it was just totally impromptu. And and uh, yeah, he had his hat on. I don't know how he even got it, but uh, he had his hat on. And uh, um, we took a picture just all standing there. And he said, hey, everybody, let's have a thumbs up for my boss. So uh, we all posed with a thumbs up and got the picture with him. And uh and it's on your Facebook page now, yeah. Fantastic. So it's a great opportunity. All we right. also had a chance to share some briefing information with the White House staff, with uh, the president's visit and the vice president's I visit. I was going to ask you, when you have a meeting like that and the, the vice president is there with his staff, are, and, and you're talking about logging or whatever, are they all just kind of nodding? and Or is somebody actually writing notes down, taking information? Tell you the truth, Brad, you're not going to, uh, in a five-minute conversation, you're not going to impress upon anybody any issue, really. Sure. So we prepared ahead of time leather-bound briefing packages oh, um, for these That's visits. That's why you get paid those big bucks. Yeah, we give it to the staff. Order. They can go back to the White House. They can read it. They can become informed. And then we're looking at following up with uh, future meetings, possibly at the White House as a timber industry roundtable. Fantastic. Well, Scott, that's your, that's. I've got your hat right here, Brad. I love Making it. logging great again. There you go. I love and it. we're getting more made, so Kenny will. Uh, we'll get one over to Kenny. <laughs> Kenny, if you want to borrow mine sometime until yours comes, I'll get it. We'll put silver and then we'll put scrambled eggs on Kenny. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, you know where the authority lies. He has all the buttons. I don't. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're just about time. We have to wrap this thing up, Peter. But uh, what do you want to tell people? Uh, uh, yeah, we got. Uh, well, we got. Okay, we got about five minutes. So what do you want to? What do you want to talk about? Two minutes. Well, really quickly is uh, no matter what your party affiliation is, you we have to be involved because if you don't, like this weight situation, we're hoping to get a meeting with the governor. Uh, and that's the only way you can get it changed or at least helped out. And so, yes, whoever's in power, that's who you have to work with. Yes. And that's what we do. And, and and if we get the opportunity to meet with the governor about this weight situation with Lieutenant Juttonent or Greg Lind, then uh, we're definitely going to take it and get uh, hopefully our thoughts presented properly sure. to where it's very effective. 
So, and the other thing is, uh, last year, remember we had uh, Linda Wright oh, come into I the remember. cotton area. Do I remember? And Linda Wright. she's going to be coming back next Wednesday. She brought more soul to cotton in one night <laughs> than ever <laughs> than they had ever had in cotton. <laughs> she can sing. Well, she's coming back next Wednesday, and she was wondering, uh, and they were wondering if she could come on your show again next Wednesday. Again. Yeah. I'll be talking to people up there to say, yeah, it's a green light for them to come in again. But she's quite colorful, quite neat. Yeah, we're going to leave a few tickets here for Brad and Kane to right. give out if they would like to give it out to people that would want to call or however you want to do it. Uh, we will do that because I had the privilege of going up there with my wife last year, and it was a fantastic event. Uh, it's a fundraiser for that little area in Cotton where they're trying yeah. to keep a little community going in the old Cotton School. Yes, the old and school it's is, really is nice. it's not a school anymore. It's a community center, and there's some people that don't have very good lives or homeless or something like that. Sure. And these concerts like this is what it is, is to, to, to actually keep the lights on and pay the heating bill, basically. Well, guys, thank you all for coming in today. Uh, Lieutenant Darren Juntinen, uh, Greg Lynn, Scott Dean, and Peter Wood. And we look forward to next month uh, having us uh, let the sawdust fly. By the way, I wear that T-shirt all the time in Florida, and I get more comments about it. What's this sawdust thing? Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll be back, folks, uh, shortly here on Sound Off.